0: to talking about we're talking about the series that we're in. Okay, how big is your God? And the and the whole concept here is talking about the children of Israel and going from bondage in Egypt to the promised land. And so we went through uh, and talked about Joseph and how they actually got to Egypt in the first place. And that was pretty much fun going through that and seeing the life of Joseph How God worked through his life and now we've kind of moved on in Moses and we talked about the the battle with Pharaoh and the people of Israel and they went through the sea and now they're now they're at the edge of the promised land and we've been talking about coming to the edge of the promised land. And so this morning what I want to talk to you about is putting away our excuses. Okay, putting away excuses that we have for why we're not going to reach our goal, because that's what happens. We start out in bondage and we say, yes, I can do this. We kind of we make the point in our minds that we're going to lay it out. This is something I need to overcome. And then as we start walking toward that, here comes the enemy with all these excuses that come in. And so I want to talk to you about someone we've mentioned already. We've talked about already. And his name is Caleb. And Caleb is an excuse killer. OK, he's an excuse killer. He's an amazing man. And here's Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the promised land to spy out the promised land. So Moses says, hey, gather up. We need 12 leaders from each, one from each of the tribes. He takes the 12 leaders, sends them into the promised land to spy out the land. The leaders go in. Ten of them come back with a report saying, hey, Moses, and tell the people of Israel. They said, the land does flow with milk and honey. It is absolutely incredible. Everything that you said was true. Everything that God said was true. But there's giants in the land. The Amalekites are there. And the Hittites. And the Jebusites. And they're all on there. And they basically said that we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And that's how we felt. We felt like grasshoppers. We can't take on those people. It can't be done. It can't be done. And they they spread a bad report about the land they had explored, the Bible says. But then someone comes along. You got Joshua and you got Caleb. It says, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We are on this path. We are on this journey. And if you want to, if you want to accomplish, if you want to go from bondage to freedom, if you want to fulfill all that God has for you, you're going to have to have the same attitude as Caleb that we can certainly, we can certainly do it. Caleb is an excuse killer. For some of you students, okay, if you're in junior high or high school, I want you to stick with me, especially right here in the beginning, because this is this is really, really important. I believe that Caleb's background gives us really good insight into his character and also into why we sometimes don't have that, 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 that faith, passion, and desire in our hearts. Why we sometimes, like just kind of go through life in this mediocrity you know we go to church and and we we participate you know, but, you know, maybe when you come to church, you're kind of like your mind wanders. And when you leave the church, it's, you know, church is good for being here. Christianity is fine when we're in church, but outside of here, it doesn't really permeate your life. You're not living for Christ all the time. And sometimes you have to ask yourself, why? Why am I? Why am I living that way? See, I think Caleb's background gives us insight into why he was so fervent, why he was so passionate, why he could walk into the promised land with 12 other other people, okay, and only Joshua was on his side, and the other ten were like, "You're crazy. Why are we doing this? It can't be done. It cannot be done." So, how is it that Joshua and Caleb step out? Two of them, right? You want to be one of the two. That's really what we're talking about. Take your little band out. The question we're going to have to ask ourselves this morning is: Do you want to be one of the ten, or do you want to be one of the two? So why is it that Joshua and Caleb had so much passion? Well, originally, Caleb's family was not a part of, was on the outside of the covenant of Israel. On the outside. Caleb was a a Kenizzite. Okay, and so that's a that's a tribe that was outside of the people of Israel. Like Ruth was a Moabite, and then Uriah was a Hittite. Uriah was the was the guy who, when David slept with Bathsheba, uh, that 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 was Bathsheba's husband. Uriah the Hittite ultimately was killed. David sent him to the front lines; he got killed. So you have you have these groups, and Caleb was one of these people. He was a a Kenite, and so he was outside the original covenant. What I'm what I'm trying to say here is that Caleb's Caleb's faith was conviction. It was not inherited. Okay? It was something that he made a choice. His family made a choice. So when, as, as, a, as, as young people in the church, you've got to start asking yourself some questions. Is my faith mine? Is it my desire? Or did I inherit this from my parents? See, Caleb's faith was built on his convictions. On his desires, his love and boldness for God was seen in every area of his life and consistent throughout his life. He owned it. He owned his faith. It was his faith. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of passed down from someone else. And I think sometimes in the church, that's what happens. The student, the kids are Christians because their parents are Christians. And so they come to church and right now they come to church because that's what we do as, you know, as people who go to church. But my question is, do you own it? If you're going to, if you, you, you should be setting your own goals too. If you're in junior high or high school, you should be saying, what is holding me back from becoming the person God has created me to be? And the only way you're going to move from here to here, to the promised land, to becoming the person God created you to be, is you, if you have that sense of urgency, that passion, that boldness, that drive for God, like, like Caleb had. You know, Caleb had this incredible urgent sense of urgency and, and desire in his life to follow God. Maybe that's why. Maybe Maybe that's why when he faced the enemy, okay, when he had to face the enemy, maybe that's why when he... Was facing possible death. He never wavered. Caleb never wavered in any of this. It's not like Caleb knew that if he was going to the, into battle against these giants, if you will, that he would just he would come out on top. He knew that Israel was going to come out on top. He knew that God was going to come out on top. He knew that this would be the promised land for the people of God. But he wasn't guaranteed that if he went into battle that he was going to survive. But what is it about this man who's not afraid to go into battle? What is it about this guy who doesn't waver when he might be facing death? His faith was at the core of who he was. See, I think what happens is, for all of us, we take sometimes, we take our faith for granted. We take the Word of God for granted. We take the filling of the Spirit of God for granted. We take the resurrection power of Jesus Christ living in us for granted. I mean, just think about the Word of God. It's everywhere. You can go to a hotel and you you can find it in a hotel room. The Gideons put Bibles in hotel rooms. You can go take a Bible from these back tables. There's Bibles in your house. You can maybe dust them off every once in a while, but they're there, right? you got Bibles in your house. All different versions of the Bible. You can go on. You can get on your phone right now. Some of you use your phone to look up scriptures and follow the scriptures and not you know not a a, a book. Right? It's okay. It's at our disposal. We've got the Bible. I think sometimes we, we take that for granted. We forget, we truly forget that there are those around the world and throughout history who don't enjoy the freedom and privilege that we have of having the Word of God at our disposal. Ravi Zacharias, years ago, told an amazing story. And I went and looked it up and found you know went through my Ravi Zacharias books and everything and found the story. And I want to read it to you. Okay, I want to read it to you. It says this. I was ministering in Vietnam in 1971, and one of my interpreters was Hain Pham, an energetic young Christian. He had worked as a translator with the American forces and was of immense help both to them and to the missionaries such as myself. Hain and I traveled the length of the country uh, and became close friends before I turned home. He did not know, we did not know if our paths would ever cross again. But 17 years later, I received a telephone call. Brother Ravi, the man asked. Immediately, I recognized Hane's voice, and he soon told me this story. Shortly after Vietnam fell, Hane was imprisoned on uh, accusations of helping the Americans. His jailers tried to indoctrinate him against democratic ideals and the Christian faith. He was forced to read only communist propaganda in French and Vietnamese. And the daily deluge of Marx and Engels began to take its toll. Maybe he thought, I have been lied to. Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe the West has deceived me. So Hain determined that when he awakened the next day, he would not pray anymore or think of his faith. The next morning... He was assigned the dreaded chore of cleaning the prison latrines. As he cleared out the tin can overflowing with toilet paper, his eye caught what seemed to be English printed on one piece of paper. He hurriedly grabbed it, washed it, and after his roommates had retired that night, he retrieved the paper and read these words. Romans 8, Romans chapter 8. Trembling, he began to read. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 28-38. And 39, Hain wept. He knew his Bible, and he knew that there was not a more relevant passage for one who was on the verge of surrender. He cried out to God, asking for forgiveness. This was to have been the first day that he was not going to pray. Evidently, God had other plans. As it were, there was an official in the camp who was using the Bible as toilet paper. So Hain asked the commander if he could clean the latrines regularly. Each day he picked up a portion of scripture, cleaned it off and added it to his collection of nightly reading. Just let's just pause for a second. OK, you got a Bible sitting in your lap and, I, and I'm not don't don't raise your hand, don't whatever. But how how often does it go? Well, does time go by sometimes when we don't even pick up our Bibles Right? We take it for granted. Yeah, it's right there. I'll read it later. I'll read it later. This guy was cleaning poop off the pages of the scripture, okay? Wiping it clean and then at night hiding it until everybody went to sleep and then reading the Word of God in that context. Absolutely amazing. Then the den- day came when, through an equally providential set of circumstances, Haynes was released from prison. He promptly began to make plans to leave the country and to construct a boat for the escape of him and 53 others, always going according to plan until days before their departure. Four Viet Cong knocked on Hayne's door and said that they had heard of his escape. He denied it and they left. Hain felt relieved, but at the same time disappointed in himself. He made a promise to God, fervently hoping that God would not take him up on it, that if the Viet Cong returned, he would tell them the truth. He was thoroughly shaken when only a few hours before they were set to sail, the four men returned. When questioned again, he confessed the truth. To Hain's astonishment, the men leaned forward and in hushed tones asked if they could go with him. In an utterly incredible escape plan, all 58 of them found themselves on the high seas, suddenly engulfed by a violent storm. Hain cried out to God, did you bring us here to die? I want to stop just for a second. Because we've been talking about this, the children of Israel, right? God does miracle after miracle after. He's a God of miracles. We're singing about it. He's a God of miracles. Jen asked the question, raise your hand if God has done a miracle in your life. Most people raise their hand. Raise your hand if you're only here because of a miracle and you raised your hand. He's a God of miracles, right? So the children of Israel go through all these miracles. But as soon as the Egyptians start coming, this is what they say. Did you just bring us out here into the desert to die? You know, when every time something, did you just bring us out? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Is that why you brought us here? Didn't we tell you not to bring us out here? We wanted to stay in Egypt, right? This is what they said. And I remember, again, I've said this to you, but I remember being younger and thinking, what a bunch of dopes. What's wrong with these people? God did this and God did, if God did that in my life, I would blah, blah, blah. And then I got older and realized, you know what? God did miracle after miracle in my life, but two years later, he doesn't do what I ask him to do, and I'm doing the same thing. Well, God, why did you bring me here if you're not going to? Why did you ask me to do this? Why did you give me this vision, God, if you're not going to? Right? We've got to turn the mirror around and just kind of look at ourselves. And this is what Hain was doing. You know, all these miraculous things. And then he's like, did you bring me here to die? But then he said to me, Brother Ravi... If it were not for the sailing ability of those four Viet Cong, we would not have made it. They arrived safely in Thailand, and years later, Hain arrived on American soil, where today he is a businessman. So we got to ask ourselves the question, i got to ask myself the question, do we take the life that God has given to us for granted? All that God has done for us as believers in Jesus Christ. All the miracles that he does in our lives and the people around us. Do we take those for granted? Do we take the power of his word for granted? Do we take the filling of his Holy Spirit for granted? Do we take those things for granted? Caleb reminds us to live every single day with a sense of urgency and a sense of purpose. Because if we don't do that, honestly, what, are, what is the goal here in this series? We want to talk about how big is our God. Why? Because is our God big enough to move us, move us from our place of bondage where we are right now? Addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, uh, you've got your, your anger issues, uh, your, your anxiety, control issues issues, worry, all these things, where we are right now, what's keeping us from fulfilling what God has for our lives? All these things are happening in our lives. And if we, are, if we don't have this attitude that Caleb had, this, this sense of urgency, this sense of passion, this sense of, sense of boldness and power in, in, in a living God who is in each one of us, we are not going to be able to break the bonds and move from where we are here to the promised land. It's not going to happen. It takes it takes courage. It takes the ability to walk into circumstances where you don't know sometimes how it's going to turn out. You don't know how it's going to turn out. The enemy's not going to just unleash you here and then let you walk into the promised land. There's going to be battles all along the way. And if you don't have this sense of urgency and you don't have this sense of purpose and you don't have this sense of passion, it's going to be very difficult for you to achieve it. So we need to ask ourselves, why is it that we don't have the kind of confidence that Caleb had in his God? You say, well, it's Caleb and he got to see all these things. You know what Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says? It says, how much more should we who have Christ? He didn't have the resurrected Christ. How much more should we who have the word of God, who have the the risen Christ living in us, who have the spirit of God upon us? How much more should we have that confidence in our God? Why is it our faith is so feeble? Why is it that we're afraid to take on the giants in our lives? And I know they're going to be there all along the way. You want to overcome? You're too controlling. You know in your life, you're too controlling. You want to overcome that? You know the giants are going to be there all along the way reminding you why it is that you're so controlling. Don't give that up. Because if you give that, what happens? You don't want that to happen again. You don't want it to happen again. The whispers, the whispers, the lies, they're there. But why is it if we have the risen Christ in us, if we have the Holy Spirit of God working in us, why is it we're afraid to take on those giants? Is our faith in Christ hereditary or is it conviction? Did someone just kind of pass it on to us, but we don't really own it? Because if you're, if you don't truly own it, it's going to be very difficult for you to go from bondage to the promised land. You need to own it. Caleb owned his faith. Is your faith your faith? Or did your parents give it to you? And answering that question will answer a lot of other questions that you have about your faith. It really will. Why don't I feel God's presence? Why don't I feel? Why don't I? Why don't I? Why don't I? If you answer that question, do you own your faith or does someone else just kind of let you borrow theirs? That's what we have. That's the question we all need to answer. God is calling you to fulfill his plan for your life. He wants you to step out in His power. He wants you to replace fear with faith and claim His promises. That's what God's desire is for each one of us. To replace the fear in our hearts, the worry, the anxiety in our hearts with faith that He is big enough to handle anything that is thrown at you. Not that you're big enough and strong enough to handle anything that's thrown at you, but that He is big enough to handle anything that is thrown at me or thrown at you. We're going to need to understand that. We're going to need to own that. If we're going to go from bondage to the promised land, each one of us is going to have to own that, understand that. There are going to be times where you get knocked down. And we're going to talk about this next week. There are times where you're going to get knocked down, but you need to get back up. And you get back up to the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Caleb was incredible. And, you know, so I'm talking to them, um, you know, talking to the younger ones a little bit here. I'm talking to all of us, but kind of challenge them a little bit. But how about how about Caleb's uh, golden years? OK, how about Caleb's golden years? Let's read it in in, uh, in Joshua chapter 14, verses seven to 12. One of my favorite passages of scripture. We read this. I was 40 years old when Moses sent the servant of the Lord. Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But listen, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, follow the Lord my God wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now, now then. Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am, 85 years old. I am as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard that the that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, not his own power, but the power of God, the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Look at this man. He never lost sight of his goals. He was 40, 85 years old, 85 years old, keeping his focus on his goal, on his dreams, on the promise. Caleb was ready. He was still ready. He's 85 years old, and listen, he's not looking. He's not asking anyone to build him a rocking chair, right? He's not. He's not planning to go and 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 just tend a little. You know, hey, you know, I'm kind of old. I'm just gonna. You know, nothing wrong with gardening. I love gardening, but he's, that's not his only goal. Is to do plant a little garden. Let's have a seed cell collection or whatever. He's like, that's not where he is. He says, I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. He's asking for the mountain. He says, give me that mountain up there where those giants live. Understand something too. Understand what he's asking for. He's asking for the mountain where the giants live, right? And these are the giants. These are the same giants that he wants to go after. These are the same people he wants to go after that he wants to confront that struck fear in the hearts of the other ten spies. Those are the people. He didn't say, hey, if you find a village filled with women and children, hey, let's go. <laughs> I'm a little old, a little tired, you know what I mean? He's saying, no, the giants. I want the people that made these people feel like grasshoppers. The ones that I want to go after. I'm, I'm ready. I'm just as strong now as I was then. I'm ready. I want to take on the Giants. He's still ready to take on the Giants. No fear. No excuses. No excuses. He specifically asked for the toughest group of people that he could find. See, <laughs> This guy chose a large and overwhelming task for any person at any age. It wasn't—he didn't use the excuse that I'm—I'm I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm there, I'm here, I'm there. It, it, any person. It, this was this was his. And I'll tell you something else. He wasn't talking about the. You know, sometimes I'll do this. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm only 54, and I'll do this. You know, talk about the old days and what we used to do and all this kind of thing and those old battles and the things I did in the past. And he, he sure he talked about the old days. But he wasn't ready to talk about, just talk about the old days and the old battles. He was ready for one more. This guy was ready for one more battle. And not with a sense of pride, but with this with this incredible, genuine faith in the presence of God in his life. With the Lord helping me, I can certainly do it. See, we think sometimes, well, I'm too young. I'm only in high school. I'm only in junior high. I'm only in a a, a little kid. I I can't do that. But uh, do you have Christ living in your heart? Do you know the greatest revivals in this country, around the world? you know the greatest revivals around the world, most of them were started by? High school and college students. The greatest revivals in the world, okay, were started by high school and college students. You show me in scripture what says you're a teenager and you get to bug out for a little while until what? You get to another to a certain point in your life? Not at all. We are called by God to live with a passion whether we're in elementary school, whether we're in junior high, whether we're in high school, whether we start, it doesn't matter. Caleb's here, let me tell you something. Caleb's greatest fear his greatest fear was not reaching his goal, was not realizing his dream was not fulfilling God's purpose and plan for his life. That was his his greatest fear. It wasn't getting killed by giants. It wasn't confronting his, the giants in his life. His greatest fear was not fulfilling his goal and realizing his dream. Of going into the promised land, of becoming—some of you, you sit here, right? We're sitting here this morning, and you know there are issues in your life that you want to overcome. That you—if you could just overcome some of these things—you're—you're—you're—you're you're, you're, you're afraid to do this, or you're—you're you're really nervous about that, or you've been through so much in your life, and so you're kind of—you're taking a step back, and you don't want to—and you have all—and you know, if I could just overcome this, I could really have an impact in this world for God. And what I'm saying to you this morning is, why, why can't you do it? Are you one of the two? That's the question. Are you one of the ten? Are you one of the, it can't be done? Or are you one of the, we can certainly do it? You think think their task was harder than our task? Of overcoming the things in our lives? It wasn't. And Caleb's attitude, and Joshua and Caleb, the two, said, we can certainly do it. You know, Caleb's Caleb's attitude was for the Giants, they are just in my way. I need to go from here to here. Anything that gets, they're just in my way. And either they move or they get stepped on. That was his attitude. If God calls you to do something, I want you to answer this question out loud. If God calls you to do something, what can stop you? Not four people? Are you part of the, I'm asking the question. Two or ten, okay? Here's the thing. If God calls you to do something, what can stop you? Nothing. Nothing. If God calls this church to do something, and I don't care if it's outrageous. I don't even think that's in five way. they are going to give that to a church of 25,000 to do. But God gives it to us to. If God calls us to do something, what can stop us? Nothing. 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 God's not gonna stop you because He called you. The giants and the enemy in your way are there to get stepped on. Caleb didn't just try to go around them, he went through them on purpose. He wasn't looking to avoid a confrontation, he was picking a fight. That's what we need to do. The giants are going to be there. Don't pray, don't you pray that God alleviates and oh God take these away and no, no, pray God put them right up front cuz I'm going through your power, I'm going to stomp this into the ground. I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to for the power of your holy spirit, I'm going to do whatever you called me to do. So listen, you got to ask yourself, why why are not why are we not living the kind of Christian life that God has called us to live. Why are not we not living a Christian life to the fullest? Why are we afraid to take on the giants in our lives? Why are we afraid to pick a fight with the giants in our lives? Moses picked a fight with Pharaoh. Dave, I mean, David picked a fight with Goliath. Elijah picked a fight with 450 prophets of Baal. Joshua picked a fight with anyone who was standing in his way. Joseph Bathabath picked a fight with 800 warriors at the same time. Go look it up. Esther stood before the king, confronted the king. And said, her, her her response, and if I die, I die. In Philippians 1.21, Paul says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That's what we're talking about this morning. I'm not asking anyone to stop doing what you're doing in a sense of living your life. I want you to go to work. You need to go to school. You need. You have your family. You have whatever. you You keep doing those things. But what God is saying is, bring me with you. I want to be a part of every area of your life. Let's go to work and be a marketplace minister. Let's go to school and be a campus minister. We have one of the students in our, in our we have, well, students are doing amazing things. I'll pick just one. One of, one of the, uh, the young ladies in our church is so motivated by, you know, Annie is doing a great job with, along with all the other youth staff. And they're just motivating our students. She got together 20 of her friends for a Bible study by themselves. There's no leaders. We're going to help her now, and give her some leaders. But 20 of her friends get together. She is a campus minister. You've got to be a minister in your home, minister at your work, minister in your school. God's just saying, hey, let's take this on together. We can do this together. But what are our excuses? If you're in junior high and high school, you think, well, I'm too young, too young. When I graduate, wait till I graduate. When I graduate, then I'll wait. Once I graduate, then well, I have too much going on right now. I'm too young. Blah 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 blah. blah. Uh, I'll graduate now. And then you get to college, and you get to college, and what do they tell you? Oh, you want to go experience? You got to experience the world, and you want to experiment, right? They want you to experiment. They get you in a room, sit you down, and tell you to experiment in all kinds of areas. Go experiment. So you're gonna just keep, you're gonna go, you're gonna sow your wild oats and go experiment for four years and waste four more spiritual years of your life because you're thinking to yourself, ah, oh, you know, this is my time to experience this and experience that in college and just kinda, of, parents aren't, just do my thing. Cause you know what? I'll start when I, when I get my career going. And all of a sudden, you're establishing your career. You're establishing your career now, and you're thinking, "Yeah, you know, I—it I, is tough establishing a career. You want to get to the top of this. You want to move on. You got to show, and you're putting all your energy and your time in. And God's taking a real back seat back here because you're establishing your career. And then you think, well, because once I get once I get settled and get a family, but then you get a family, wait, oh man, family, you got to be kidding." You're going here, you're going there, you're doing this, you're doing that. You're so busy you can't breathe. But don't worry about it. Don't think about it because you know what? You're thinking, ah, retirement's right around the corner. It's right around the corner. And once you're retired, you got all the time in the world. You know what I mean? It's like all the time in the world. But then wait, man, your retirement, you, you put your time in. You sacrificed. You put others first for so long. And what Jeff Greer is talking about this morning has nothing to do with me. This really has to do with the younger crowd. Cause they didn't really, they haven't put their time in yet. They really haven't sacrificed. And you know what? I'll tell you the truth. I'm t- I'm, I'm just flat out. I'm t- It's my time to relax. I'm going to relax. Let me tell you something. Okay? You don't ever want to totally retire. You just want to expire. Okay? That's God's plan for your life. You don't ever quote retire. You may stop doing what you're doing in this season of your life, but you never want to retire. You want to expire. You wanna live, you wanna be Caleb. 85 years old, I'm just as vigorous to go into battle now as I was then. Give me that hill country up there where the giants live. Because if you don't have that attitude when you're in elementary school, and you're in junior high, and you're in high school, and you're in college, and you're starting your career, and then you have your family, and now you're gonna, to... if you have, you'll have excuses all along the way, and you're never going to do it. You need to have the attitude of Caleb. Now is the time. Right now is the best time for me to give my life to Christ and give it all to Him. There will always be excuses of why you won't or can't do something for Christ. They're, they're, they're always going to be there. I have my own, okay? See, here's the thing. We are all gifted with the ability to make a difference in our world. We all have the ability. Each of us can shape. Every single one of us can shape the future. I'm not saying you're gonna change the entire world and everyone's gonna hear your name and know who you are. What I'm saying is that each one of us has the ability to shape the future. We made a decision to start a pig farm and a chicken co-op farm, right? We made a couple of months back. You should see it now. I'm bringing pictures next week. I'm going to show them to you. You should see this. You made a. You have the ability. You have the resources and the ability to say yes to that. And now we have shaped people's lives in another part of the world. Their lives are changed. They don't know your name, but their lives are changed. God has given us the ability to make a difference. The question is, will we? Are we, are you and I willing to surrender all that we have this morning to fulfill his call on our lives? To reach our world, to reach our goals, to impact the lives of other people. You get your get your band out, okay. Either put it on, put it in a place where you can see it, put it on your desk or whatever. Because here's the final question we've got to ask ourselves: If we are going to move from bondage and along the way to the promised land, along the way you're impacting people's lives. It isn't just about the destination; it's about the journey. The journey on this journey, we can transform people's lives as our lives are being transformed. We can transform the lives of others, but we have to answer the Question, will we be one of the ten who said it can't be done? It's just, well, it's it's too much. It can't be done. It's just, whatever the excuse. Or will we be one of the two that says we can certainly do it? We can certainly do it. That's a question each one of us needs to ask this morning. Am I one of the ten or am I one of the two? Let's pray. Father God, thank you. But it's time that we can spend together. Thank you for being a God of miracles. Thank you for being a God who we've all confessed this morning has done things in our lives that are miraculous. God, I want to personally thank you for saving my life. Not just saving me spiritually, but saving my life giving me a life and an opportunity to make a difference in this world, to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, to break the bondage that I was once in. Thank you for that opportunity. You are a God of miracles. And we pray, dear God, that you would work in our hearts, that you would move in our hearts. We pray, dear God, that you would take us from bondage to the promised land. We pray, dear God, that you would use every single one of us individually to make a difference in our world and corporately to impact this world for Jesus Christ. We love you. We praise you. And with your power and your influence and your encouragement, there's nothing that we cannot accomplish in Jesus name.